Hello, welcome to Storytelling for Business, the podcast that helps you build better customer relationships by telling stories your clients want to hear. I'm Katie Flamen, a voiceover artist specializing in corporate storytelling. That means everything from adverts on TV, radio and online to training courses, inspiring company anthems and explainer videos about new products and services. My clients range from big business to charities to governments to NGOs, helping them all to share brand stories and business developments. But why is business storytelling important? What makes a great story? And how can storytelling create leads for businesses and build lasting client relationships? In this series, I'm exploring those questions with some guests who work in the creative industries and other guests who don't, but who can still teach us about successful storytelling. At the end of every episode, I'll summarize my key takeaways. And at the end of the series, I'll pull everything together for you. Today's episode is about impact and how getting your audience involved in the stories you tell can literally be a lifesaver. Chris Lomas is the chairman of Hope4, one of the fastest growing not-for-profit organisations in the world, and they have offices in the UK and Moldova. Hope4 was one of the first NGOs on the ground in Moldova, providing life-changing support to thousands of women and children flooding across the border from Ukraine when Russia invaded. Chris founded Hope4 with his wife Zoe to help orphans and victims of child trafficking, but their charity does way more than that. And I'm so happy that Chris is here to tell us more. Chris, welcome to the podcast. Wow, thank you. What an introduction. I'm so happy to be here, Katie. Thank you for having me. Well, okay, let's dive in. What is Hope4? Hope4 is deliberately vague in as much as when we first came to Moldova, we thought we were going to be Hope4 Moldova, but we soon became aware that Hope4, dare I say, as a brand, signals something far greater than than just one segment or one country or one aspect of anything in that country and and that really we've become hopeful whatever we need to be whether that's hopeful victims orphans widows it's whatever the imagination thinks it can be that's kind of beautiful and stressful because it seems to me that that whatever comes up you're there to kind of deal with it yeah Tell us about Moldova, the the headlines of Moldova, its issues, just because some people might not even kind of have a very clear idea of where Moldova is. You know, there's a a board game in the UK called Where is Moldova, right? (laughs) And it's this geography board game. Oh, the irony. Because we travel a lot, particularly from a a fundraising piece. You know, we were in, in the US a while back. And I'd have constant conversations, hey, we're from Moldova. And the get glazed look, and in fact, the, the ones that make me smile most is those that assume they know where it is and, and say, is that near Hampshire or you know, <laughs> something like that. And um, so, so... Not very. <laughs> no, exactly. So when I say to them, okay, we're, we're surrounded on three sides with Ukraine, they get it. It's Europe's poorest country. It competes ironically with Ukraine for that title, but it's Europe's poorest country. It suffers 80% poverty. Its current inflation rate is around 32% and fuel has gone up by more than 600%. So people without before have even less now. And in fact, uh, recently we learned of several people who had lost their lives simply because they can't afford to put fuel on the fire. Just to heat our home, it's gone from around £4.50 a day to £25 a day. 
that is unsustainable. And, and, and so people have got a choice this winter. They eat it. Winters, by the way, can get to as low as minus 20, minus 30 degrees centigrade. They have a choice. They either freeze or they starve or both. And so we are on a race against time. We've deliberately, I mean, we can't do everything, but we've deliberately positioned ourselves as people that will fight poverty, human trafficking, and support refugees. And this is why the support of the international community is critical in saving lives. Mm. Tell us how it began. Oh, my goodness. So our why? Our why gets me even now. And so I was running... A, a successful, successful printer business selling sustainable print services, but to the office sector. So you can imagine the negative impact that COVID had on my organization because offices emptied. So our, our costs still continued, but our, our profits plummeted. And so it was tough. And uh, anyway, I was, I was working and I heard Zoe begin to sob. And so I went downstairs and asked her what the matter was. And she, she explained, now Zoe's Romanian and Zoe, present company accepted, is the nicest human being I've ever met. And I just happened to be married to her. She's an extraordinary human. You know, in all the time we've been married, <laughs> this is gonna sound crazy and perhaps even boring, we've never argued because I live with love and that's, that's how it manifests every single day. So she's gentle, she's kind. And I heard her crying and I asked her uh, what was wrong. And she said that she'd just read in the Romanian news in a region that she grew up in called Yash, which ironically is just across the border from Moldova. She read that during a three month period uh, during COVID that 74 mums checked into a maternity hospital, gave birth and then snuck out without their babies because of abject poverty. And mm. it caused her to cry. And of course, when she said that, it caused me to cry as well. And it still does. The idea that people in, in a moment of desperation did what to us seems the, the unthinkable. And, and, and yet people that are so convinced that they can, they can offer nothing to this, this baby, not through selfishness, but through desperation, but that was our why. And um, she famously said to me, I want to move to Moldova. So she'd just come back from helping orphans. And if she was sat right next to me, yeah, she do. And if she was sat next to me, she would complete the sentence because I said, over my dead body. And because uh, I had no call <laughs> and no desire to, to come to Moldova until that moment when I realized that, you know, I have an opportunity, you know, I'm, I'm 52, I don't act like it, but I'm 52 and I, I thought, you know, I've got an opportunity while there's breath in my body to make a difference. And I didn't know what it looked like. We, because of COVID, uh, you know, our, our finances had been decimated and, and I'd attempted to sell the company and it, it looked as if it was successful, but it failed in the end. So we literally moved with nothing. So we used the last of our savings to get some of our furniture across and, and moved into this, this house. And, and, that, and that was to look after some orphans, but we weren't allowed to immediately look after some orphans because we had to go through the residency process and different things. So during that period, I got busy. So I bought, and this, this kind of goes back to the, the, the original point, I bought um, entrepreneurial tenacity. So I, I bought that kind of business tenacity and that entrepreneurial flair into the NGO sector. And rather than sit around waiting, we got busy. We, we started to reach out and, and to use LinkedIn particularly 
as a way of, of communicating what we were doing and, and sharing with the world. And, and that's the funny thing. During the first 12 months, the world wasn't listening. And I was going through this massive learning curve in terms of who, who we are as an organization. And so it was important to truly understand who we are and what we do. And so we have three pillars, fighting poverty, human trafficking, and supporting refugees. And, and I started to try and understand what is the common theme between those three. And, and really, I started to uh, think about the body. And, and if we understand that our, our extremities represent human trafficking, poverty, addiction, loneliness, and, and all those aspects, domestic violence, abuse, uh, trafficking, uh, if I've already said that, but, but they become what we see. And at the heart of it is poverty. And it's incredible how you can link all of, for example, Moldova's issues to a diseased heart. And so rather than simply focus on what we see, I'm going after the heart because I believe by doing that, we can start to impact the, the obvious things about the things that we deal with over here. Does that mm -hmm. make sense? Yeah, it does completely. And there's, there's lots to unpick there, but what you said about knowing who we are, I think that's relevant to any business because whatever, you're, whatever message you're trying to get across, whatever you're trying to achieve, it's got to come from a place of self-knowledge and, and authenticity. And I think it's, it's I mean, that, your authenticity comes across hugely in the broadcast that you do on LinkedIn. But knowing what the company stands for, do you think there's a, any kind of differentiation between what Chris Lomas's values are and what Hope Four's values are? Is there any difference or are you one and the same? I would, I would say one of the same. For us, it's, it's all about love. You know, I talk about oranges quite a lot because I get to speak in different places now. And, and I always take an orange with me with, with an orange squeezer. And I talk about how we're all squeezed. Pressure's always applied. And, and I typically will get a child up to help me demonstrate. And I'll ask them, you know, if I, if I squeeze this orange, what's going to come out? And they look at me really confused and say, orange juice or, or portocalli, as they call it. And, and I say, well, what if I really squeeze it hard? What's going to come out? And they say, well, soup portocalli. And I said, well, that's right. And so we demonstrate it. We press it really, really hard and squeeze it really, really hard. And sure enough, what comes out is, is orange juice. And, and then I challenge those in the room. What comes out of you when you're squeezed? You know, we, we don't do what we do to impress people. We do it because it's the right thing to do. And, and whenever I'm under pressure and whenever I'm being squeezed, I have to make sure what comes out of me is what underpins everything we do, which is love. Mm. So let's talk about how you communicate that message. This podcast is about storytelling for business and the stories you're telling are they're they're heartbreaking, they're powerful and they're they're really from the heart and you've really developed personally as a storyteller over this time because your messages are really life or death aren't they a lot of the time and and do you know what, katie when i when i read your email in preparation for this i was kind of humble because 
I don't see myself as a storyteller. I certainly haven't set out and I don't wake up every morning thinking, right, I'm going to tell a bunch of stories. I tell you what, I've, I've had to learn something. And there was a, a brilliant lady in Dubai who contacted me to say, for goodness sake, stop what you're doing. And I hadn't realized, but because of my lack of experience within the charity sector, that I became that typical charity that that wanted to shame everyone into doing something and i would show you pictures of orphans you know pictures of hungry people and pictures of desperation and say well what are you going to do about it and i had to soon realize that that doesn't work it's still the way a lot of the the, the big guys do it and I'd, I'd love to just touch on the big guys and what differentiates us as an organization but we've all sat there with our dinner and just about to tuck into our, you know, mash and peas and, and they show a picture of a, an emaciated child and, and really guilt people into responding and are successful in doing that. But this, this person contacted me and said, look, you know, that, that isn't the way you should do it because people love what you're doing. They love you and Zoe and they will donate because they love you. So, so, so change. And my sister was, was a critic as well. My sister in America, she was like, oh my goodness, you make me feel guilty every time I open your posts. And that wasn't what I was trying to do because that was just a lack of education, a lack of understanding in terms of the journey we were on. It, it was conceived from a place of love. It was conceived from a good place because I don't profit. Zoe and I don't pay ourselves a salary. So I'm not profiting from anything. We, we take what we're given and immediately translate it into tangible aid. So I had to, I had to and it was about, I don't know, eight months ago that I, I had to switch. And so I started to tell stories. I started to report. Can you share one of them now? Okay. Can we talk about Doina? Doina, just two days ago, we, we visited her. She is the victim of domestic violence. She um, it started when she was 15. She was with the, been with the same man. But he started to physically abuse her from the age of 15. She's now 23. So for eight years, she was... And we've seen the bruises on her faces. And she has three beautiful children. I think it's six, four, and one and a half. And beautiful, beautiful family. She herself is, is, is timid. She's, she's just a baby herself. A, a call had been come to us. This person's in distress. They're in need. So we, we went to this temporary house. Katie, I can't even convey how small it was. It was so small that when I took the recording, it required people to, to leave the room. So it was just me and this family. Because so it's one tiny I, I, room. Yeah, I couldn't extend my hand with people there. It was that small. And she has nothing. She has nothing. This brave young lady has made the decision that she is going to leave this guy. You know, I said to her, first and foremost, not all men are like this but we're here to protect you. We're here to support you. She has to leave this house in two to three weeks. And, and so when I conveyed in this, in this, I'm just presenting the facts now. You know, I'm not demanding something from, from the audience. I'm not saying, okay, this is what I want you to do. Now it's an invitation. And you probably recall from the, the, the video, I said, I invite you to be a part of this solution here. And her needs are vast. You know, we, we need to protect her. We need to protect the children. We need to get them into education. We need to obviously get her a house. This, this clever man of hers 
took bought a car and put the loan in her name and and now he's he's has nothing to do with her he's been told to stay away he can't hurt her anymore but her child support gets swallowed up in that loan so the bank keeps it so she has no money she has no way of supporting herself or her children her needs are complex you know there's obviously trauma informed care that we need to provide it's such a desperate situation and I know all this happened when Hope 4's ambassador, Leah Turner, was with you. She was visiting Moldova for the first time. She's a LinkedIn influencer and coach. Can you explain the impact of that one video you made? So the the combination of that and the other videos that we're putting out over the weekend was that we raised 15,000, Leah Turner raised 15,000 pounds from her community. But she she was instrumental in raising not only 15,000 today, but instrumental in raising what has been quarter of a million pounds since the war began. And which demonstrates a simple point. When people believe in what you're doing, they will rally around and they will support. And this translates to business as well. If people are just real and credible and authentic, got friends now across the LinkedIn platform and they're not trying to sell all the time. They're just trying to be real and, and relatable. This will always rely on a community and the community is all about relationships. So I had to realize that I have to form relationships. We feel over the, the last two years, we've been building our credibility, our transparency, our authenticity. And to a point now where I don't feel the need to, to constantly beg people. I just feel the need to enter into relationships and, and really to, to use social media, in particular LinkedIn, with the incredible support of brilliant people like you and Leah Turner to really take people on a journey with us. LinkedIn has become your main platform for sharing your work, Chris, hasn't it? You post videos pretty much every day and you've created a signature style, which is almost like a mini news report with a distinct sign-off. Tell us about that. Yes, I've, I've become known for this sign-off, which, which some people like and some people hate. Go on, tell but us your sign-off. I will update you further. Uh-huh. <laughs> And, and really, it's just, that, that again was an accident. You know, on the 24th of February last year, we were having breakfast together, uh, Zoe and I, in our house in the north of the country, with, in the process this week of moving to, to Kishinev. The windows began to shake. And uh, it, was, it was 9 a.m., the windows began to shake. It was the sound of thunder. It sounded like 4th of July outside the window. And because it was daytime, we knew it wasn't fireworks. And we instantly knew that the war had started. And, and that was the proximity. You know, we're just a few kilometers from the border. And it was that moment that our lives changed irrevocably. We haven't stopped doing what we came over to do. We're still fighting poverty and human trafficking. But now we became a humanitarian organization. But here's, here's the, um, the point. Hope for has actually, its potential is outgrown Moldova even. So we're already looking at hope for Romania, hope for Ukraine, hope for Poland, hope for USA. You know, when you consider the, the issues of human trafficking across the world, you know, we've got family in Vegas, in between Vegas and Florida, and, and those two states have major issues, you know, particularly in the context of Miami, for example, with human trafficking. And, and honestly, Katie, I just, I just think somewhere someone along the line is going to come along and say, I, I love what you guys are doing. And, and so everything I do right now is about being investment ready, is about positioning ourselves 
to such a degree that when someone comes along and says, Chris, I've got a million pounds or 10 million pounds or 100 million pounds or even a billion pounds, I, I, I know exactly how we can translate that. So, Chris, right now, even though Hope4 has huge ambitions and is growing rapidly, it is still a small charity. So how can you compete with the bigger players? And this is relevant to any small business, I think. As a small voice in a noisy world, how do you get your message across so that people listen, follow through and take the action you're asking for? Uh, do you know, I got goosebumps you just asking me that question. I, I think it's turning up. And people will eventually see your passion. People will eventually see your credibility and authenticity and value for money. You know, we don't have the, the overheads and, and we, regardless of how we grow, we always want to be able to provide the greatest value for money for those who are investing in us, but also those that we serve. And so I've been a small business owner. You know, I've kind of been through those, 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 those challenges. And, and honestly, I, it, I wish I knew then what I know now, because I, I think, you know, I've been infinitely more, and I use this word lightly, but for the context of this conversation, I've been more successful as a charity uh, organization than I was as a, a, a business organization, um, purely because um, it's not about shareholders now, it's about lives. And, and you mentioned it before, um, you know, in fact, one of the questions you asked me in the email was what gets me up in the morning? It's because lives depend on me turning up. So I've got one more question for you. Um, we've talked about all the amazing and powerful stories that you've been telling and the incredible work that you've done. What does your story look like for the next five years, Chris? We want to grow, not because we're, we're building a brand or a reputation, but we're building a principle, we're, we're spreading love. And, and there is this direct correlation between if we grow, we're helping more people. And so we want to launch into Romania, Poland, Ukraine. We want to launch into the US because we believe that, I mean, that there's, other, there's bigger charities that can do this, but, but we have to understand there's a collaboration. And I think we have positioned ourselves in a unique way. And, and that has been based on two years of hard work, you know, six, seven days a week, 16 hours a day, particularly over the last 12 months of just going the extra mile, being transparent, being relatable, being real, I hope. And, and, and so I want, I want that to grow. You know, I, I don't want to be not confined to Moldova because we will always be here, but, but I, I believe that as, as we rally support, as, as people start to look at us and say, okay, my money's safe, my investment. And, and someone in the US, a friend of mine, Lydia Higgins, uh, made a great statement. She said to me, so what you're doing is connecting people with their own impact. And it was just like, yes. And I said to her, <laughs> you haven't trademarked that or anything of you because that's now become our signal, connecting people with their own impact. That's it. Being able to demonstrate to people how if they trust me with one pound, if they trust me with a cup of coffee, cost of a coffee, that they can actually see how that is impacting real lives. Where do you get your passion from? And do you ever wake up in the morning and think, uh-uh, not doing it today? <laughs> I struggle. I, you know, I'm, I'm not a morning person. I get up at 6 a.m. <laughs> every single day because it's discipline. Uh, you won't see me this morning. I almost crawled out of bed. But and it's partly because of the, the long hours that that I work, but but 
my passion comes from knowing that, that every single day I'm saving a life. Every day do I actually prevent someone from dying? Of course not. But I'm bringing something far more powerful. I'm bringing hope in a hopeless environment, in a hopeless situation. And that is dangerous because you start giving people hope. Oh, they can achieve anything. I come from poverty. I know what it's like. I can relate to these people. You know, people, people think, you know, I'm just this smart individual. No, I'm not. You know, I'm just, I, you know, I, I've known what it's like to go hungry. My parents work really, really hard, but I've known what it's like. So I'm passionate about people that are relying on me to get out of bed and change their lives forever. But Katie, I can't do this alone. I need you, I need Leah, I need everyone listening to this podcast to say, okay, I'm with you. Because it's only together we are hopeful. And if you give people hope, they can achieve anything. Wow, what a, what a way to end. Well, Chris Lomas, thank you so, so much. And just before you go, tell us the website so that people can reach out and donate to Hope4. Thank you so much. So it's hopefor.org. So hopefor.org. And they can search us on social media. We are hopeful. Chris obviously works in the charity sector, but so much of what he was saying is relevant to all types of businesses. Here are my key takeaways. One, you can't guilt or shame or bully people into heeding your business calls to action. They have to want to. And storytelling is a brilliant way to connect with your audience. Two, Chris talked about connecting people with their own impact. He's found that by inviting people to get behind his work, they become part of the solution and the story. Three, relationships are the main drivers for business growth. And being real, credible and authentic is the best way to develop those relationships. And we'll be talking more about authenticity in our next episode. So for me, it's all about, this is me. This is, you know, I'm doing the very best I, I can. I'm just a human. And it's easier to just be me. Mm, that's business organisation queen Lizzie Parsons from Start Small, Plan Big. Next time, Lizzie talks about keeping it real and staying true to herself in good times and bad. Storytelling for Business, Episode 5, Vulnerability, Connect and Reflect, is available now. But this episode is finished. Once again, a big thanks to Chris Lomas from Hope4. He's always up to something. So for updates on the charity's work, check out his LinkedIn videos and give him a follow. And if you'd like to donate or find out more, visit the Hope4 website. All the details are in the show notes. And mine are too. I'm Katie Flamman, and this is Storytelling for Business. Until next time, goodbye.